And through my experience, I really witnessed how it doesn't matter how female I was expressing, people would still refer to me as my male counterpart. They would be like, they would use male pronouns. There were times where I, I would get angry, but then I understood that I just, it, what other people see is not what I see. What I know about myself is not what everybody else knows. And other people's confusion is not my confusion. You're like so gay. Hi, all you sexual deviants and sexual deviant wannabes. Welcome back to another episode of Queering, Queering the Air. air. <laughs> we need to get getting, better at that. Yeah, it's getting there. I'm just going to blame it on Zoom. Okay. And you'd be easier fine. in person, you know? If we ever can be in person with people again. Anyway, my Never. name is Matt. And my name is Aaron. Um, and we're gay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, still here, um, still gay. Still here, still queer. Yes. Ooh. What's going on? But How are you? Not much. I'm sweaty. Ew. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm I'm back in LA now, and it's been really hot the past few days. Yikes! Is it like humid hot but, the way it is on the East Coast? No, it's not. It's much drier. But Hayden and I, we've officially lived in our apartment over a year now, which is really fucking weird. Wow. But we've gone the whole year without turning on the air conditioning once. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> We have central air, but, like, we're so afraid that if we turn it on, it'll be really expensive to, like, keep it cold. And then also, once we turn it on, we're like, we will never be able to turn it off. Yeah. So we're just trying to survive <laughs> as long as we can without having to pay for air conditioning. So I cheap. Mean... <laughs> <laughs> I love being a, a, a broke millennial. Yeah. What's new with you? Oh, my God. You're starting law school. By the time this episode airs, you'll be back in school. I will be back in school by the time... In 12 hours. <laughs> yeah, I will have already done a full day of classes by the time this episode comes out. Um, how, do you, how do you feel about that? Um, I'm actually really excited. I think the classes I'm taking this semester are going to be really interesting. Um, I'm actually most excited for this one class I'm taking that was how state laws and federal laws and international laws, if there's ever, like conflicts between them or like if there's like a a case that spans multiple states it's like how do you figure out what state laws to use and things like that it's called conflict interesting laws. yeah i am super excited for it because apparently it's like one of the best classes that you can take um as as according to my one of my professors from last year but it talks a lot about family law so i'm gonna learn a lot about things that cool. i care about very exciting yeah so you've been doing a lot of traveling recently don't say it like that, you whore. <laughs> um, yes, I did want to like clarify really quickly because I know in the past few episodes I've been in a bunch of different places. And also, like if you look at my Instagram, it makes it look like I was traveling a lot. Um, luckily, no one's really jumped down my throat yet for that, which I appreciate. Um, but I just wanted to clear the air. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah, I did leave um, L.A. for a little bit. I was gone for actually about three weeks total. Um because I hadn't left since the pandemic started because I'd been working through the entire pandemic kind of kind of from home but like kind of still going into the office every single day but we finally had two weeks off of work we had like a hiatus and I was like I need to leave for my mental well-being like I was like I need to get out of the city for a little bit and kind of reset so I went up to San Francisco and saw my dad for a long weekend and then I flew back to the east coast and I saw my mom and my sister and then I went back home to Cooperstown where I grew up and like when I was over there I rented a car so I was traveling privately and safely and then I went to Boston for a bit to see family as well so yeah I know that traveling right now is not necessarily like encouraged but 
I quarantined as best I could before I left. Um, when I was on the flight, I flew Southwest and I had an entire row to myself every single flight. So I don't know. It's not a perfect thing, but like f- for myself, I was like, I need to yeah. leave this city for a little bit. I mean, I can um, already tell, and I have been able to tell just like you are happier and more yourself. Yeah. Towards the week before I like left, I was really um, not in a great spot. I was frustrated with a lot of things. and. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. The quarantine has been affecting everyone in a very odd way, but it like it it was just kind of like getting to a boiling point almost. Yeah, it was bleeding into like every single aspect of my life, and I knew that it was because of you know the pandemic, but it still was hard to separate it when it was like affecting right. work, affecting my personal life, affecting my social life, affecting whatever quote unquote dating life I have. So yeah, I don't know. It was a lot, but we're feeling better. <laughs> yes. No, I, I'm super happy to hear that. I do appreciate that no one was like coming down my throat for it though because I was a little nervous about that. But at the end of the day, no one really knows what anyone else is doing or why they're traveling or what they're doing. So, yep. I don't know. So it's trust just like nobody. Just, but I mean, also like kind of trust, trust for the most part that people are doing things for a good reason until they do something where you're like, oh, they're just going and fucking partying everywhere. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. I see. A, I have a number of well, not too many, but I, there are some people who are really shameless with posting all of their very yeah um controversial one might say their controversial activities that i personally would not participate in at this current moment but so you anyway. don't want to get on a flight out to mykonos they're pretty cheap right now matt <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah california had like six hundred thousand cases or something something Fuck. like outrageous yeah but anyways, on a happier note, yes. today's episode is going to be amazing, <laughs> and we're both really excited about it. I had such a good time uh, recording this episode. That being said, my circumstances for where I where I was when we recorded this episode was ridiculous. Disaster zone. <laughs> I was literally in a disaster zone. Isaias came through. I was um, I was in New York with my parents, and what did you just Is- say? Oh, was that the name of the storm? Yeah, Isaias came through New York and just like absolutely ravaged my area. There was like, I spent an entire day with my dad afterwards, just cleaning up trees and like hauling that fell and taking them to like a organic composting place. We didn't get power back for two days. There were like literal transformers from the electrical. From the Michael Bay movie. Yeah. Those ones on the ground. (laughs) Um, It was, Bumblebee. it was wild. Yeah. So I didn't have any power or internet when we did this. So I called in and I was, I don't, something got fucked up with like the cell service even oh my at God. my house. So I had to drive to be like underneath a cell tower that, so I was sitting in a like commuter parking lot next to a highway sitting in my car recording this so i was <laughs> but we made it work and we yeah. brought you another episode yeah yeah so if you're hearing this go follow us on whatever platform you listen to your podcast <laughs> on and rate us five stars on itunes yes <laughs> please because we are really going hard for this we're dedicated to the queer causes yes yes god there's a lot of words that are going to be used in the episode that we just wanted to make sure that everybody knew before yeah. we get because into the conversation because if at the end of the day this this can and hopefully this podcast will be used in a sort of educational way i know that i have to constantly remind myself that you know matt and i are in this 
this queer world where of course we've heard these these words for years and we've heard these terms for years but like maybe you're listening to this and you're totally unfamiliar with what the gay world is like so you're hearing these things and you're like oh my god i don't know what they're saying and you should never Mm -hmm. be ashamed of that but we just want to make sure that everybody's kind of on the same page before we get into this episode some of these are like more technical terms and some of them are just like uh slang the first thing is uh the first word that we want to define is cisgender um you know i'm actually just going to read the dictionary definition of cisgender because i that's so lazy of you it is but i also don't want to describe it incorrectly cisgender is denoting or relating to a person whose sense of personal identity and gender corresponds with their birth sex well on that note what's the difference between sex and gender matt in a basic oh sense. I mean, <laughs> also a like... sociologist. <laughs> I know. Also, like, please forgive us for these definitions. Most of them will be coming from our personal experiences. So... Yeah. I don't know. So we're, we're not sex- experts on anything. Just... Yeah. We, I feel like we need to stress that every episode. We're not an expert. <laughs> we're just gays. You can't expect much from us. So sex is your, like, physical characteristics. Your biology. Yeah, exactly. Versus your genitalia. Right. You want to just keep throwing synonyms? Yes, your reproductive (laughs) systems. Other other buzzwords. (laughs) And then your gender is your outward expression. I mean, gender... I'm scared scared to say more than that. I know, please don't read us for this, because we're just trying our best. But if you have a... Funny that you said that, because that's another word (laughs) that I have on here. We'll get there. If you have a better definition, feel free to, like, slide it into our DMs, and we can put it in the next intro to the next episode. I'm already thinking of a few people who are going to be like, you should say this. Okay, great. Please. Um... Yeah. Please give me a, a, your best definition, and I yeah. will compile them all together into one mega gender definition. But basically, mm-hmm. gender is kind of like what is forced on you by society, almost. It's like whether you present more, quote-unquote, male or female, or somewhere in between. Yeah. Oh, I really like the Wikipedia first sentence of it actually it says gender is the range of characteristics pertaining to and differentiating between masculinity and femininity i do like that a lot i don't know if it stresses enough that it's not like real one or the other (laughs) yeah that too (laughs) (laughs) um but that also leads us into the next term that we wanted to make sure people knew which is non-binary non-binary is when you don't adhere to the binary of male or female essentially non-binary or gender queer is a spectrum of gender identities that are not exclusively masculine or feminine identities that are outside of the gender binary hormone treatment is hormones that a, a doctor will give you to help you to physically transition change. yeah ch- to evolve evolve mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> to change your body to make it so that it matches up with what you more. feel then there are some fun words and aaron actually said one before Read. Reading is just like when you <laughs> kind of like roast somebody, like call them out. There's a very good definition of read in the documentary film Paris is Burning. Mm. I highly recommend it. I think it's on Netflix. Reading, it's fundamental. It, <laughs> it really is fundamental. It's It really is the like foundation of what a lot of queer culture yeah, like queer or mainstream yeah where it all kind of like originated from if you watch drag race if you watch pose if you watch any of this now mainstream media your homework is to watch paris is burning the other thing that our guest faith said was a full beat a full beat yes that means that she has 
fully done her makeup. It is looking incredible. She spared no... No uh, man. <laughs> nobody was safe nobody is safe in, in the make in the making of her full beat um but it just means that she's like done Glammed her up. makeup and then also i know that faith used the term gender dysphoria at one point which it's what it's like the process that you go through when you're kind of questioning the gender that you've been placed into it upon birth i guess according to the american psychiatric association gender dysphoria involves a conflict between a person's physical gender and the gender with which he or she identifies. I don't yeah. like that. It should say in the gender with which they, they identify. identify. I don't get why people, like, I mean, I guess it's probably like a, a literature law or something to use he or yeah, she. Even though it's bullshit. It is stupid. And I mean, I think it's outdated and I think that that will change. It's so it's easy. It's so much more yeah. encompassing. Like, it's uh-huh. literally two less words. Efficiency, people. If there are anything, any other words or terms that get used in the episode that we didn't define and you don't really know what it means, um, just fucking Google it. Um, no, I'm totally kidding. Our or you can Google it. Open. <laughs> you have the whole <laughs> fucking world at your fingertips, and you have people that yeah, will explain I, it much better than we will. Yeah, I mean, we actually literally did just like look up the definitions so we wouldn't fuck these up. Yeah. <laughs> so you you may be better off Googling it. Yeah. Today, we have a very special guest. We have... Faith Lynn with us, who is a friend that I have met during my time in LA. Um, the first time I met Faith was at a Tenants of the Trees Chappy event. It was the, it was like a Willem. Perf- it was like a, and it was, Willem was performing. Um, and like, Willem is a drag queen. Willem is a drag a very queen. famous drag queen. An incredible drag queen. Yeah, a fucking boss yeah. ass bitch. But I, I met Faith at this event and she was just like bopping around, spreading her good vibes to everybody. And I don't even know how we started talking. I think we were just kind of like dancing next to each other. And from that moment on, it was just like kind of history. And then I watched her do poppers with Willem. And I don't know. Yeah. So that picture is also going to be on the Instagram because I fucking love that photo. She's a ray of light and a beautiful soul and has an incredible story. I also like knew very little about her. She was one of those friends where I would like see her out at events and out at parties and was always fun to be around, but I never actually sat down and was like, tell me about your life. I mean, if you're only really seeing her like at events and stuff, I feel like that's not really the place to be like, so tell me about like your story. Where did you come from? <laughs> exactly. Like, uh, like, I'm going to go get another vodka soda. Yeah, literally. It was, like a, it was like a party friendship and then now it has since spawned into something more something that actually was amazing to me that happened while i was editing this episode and i haven't told you this yet matt was talking to faith kind of almost made me look at the word queer in a new light and it kind of like redefined the word queer for me because before we were using it almost as like just anything that is not straight and not hetero or not not cis and not straight basically but mm-hmm. in talking to Faith, I almost view queer more as like going against the social norms. Cause you know, we live in this world where like straight is normal and um, cisgender is normal. Talking to her almost made me think of queer as just kind of like saying fuck you to, the, to like the society and fuck you to the patriarchy and mm-hmm. fuck you to everyone and being like, I'm gonna do what I wanna do regardless of what is quote unquote normal. And it's, not necessarily just like not being straight it's just kind of going against the sociological norm and the grain so Hmm. yeah i yeah i guess i i mean i've always thought of like a queer identity as always a political statement Mm -hmm. but when you put it i mean i I like the way that you put it you know it's it's not just a existing as a political statement it's like it's a it's an intentional fuck you it's actually going against like what is normal and just existing as your like unapologetic true self that's cool i like that 
I don't know. And I'm sure someone else has already like theorized that and someone will, oh, yeah. listen, someone will listen to this and be like, duh, Aaron, that's always been the definition. But I had never really <laughs> thought of it like that until this interview. So I thought that was really cool. I was editing it. I was like, wow. I hope you guys enjoy the episode. We had such a good time filming it. She just has a way of speaking that just totally draws you in and you're like yes yeah give it to me keep going this is we've dragged this on long enough so um without further ado i hope you guys enjoy the episode oh my god i'm so I'm excited s- for i'm this so already. excited this is- oh my gosh so we are joined today by faith faith hello hi aaron hi matt how are you both hi faith so good i'm this is brightening my life up so much right now, having been talking to you through all those technical difficulties for the last however long. I'm obsessed with you. You're just like the sweetest, funniest, nicest person. And I've only ever a talked to you over the phone. Light. A ray of light. Literally. Oh, that's very sweet of you. I, um, I try to focus and like focus my light um, because I think that that allows me to understand that I'm doing something for the to the community and like giving, you know, creating this high level of vibration to the world because it's needed. And I think that when more people tap into creating high vibrations, it does make a difference in the well-being of ourselves, the people around us, and even people that we don't even know. So I try to do my part as much as I can. I love that. Well, I am feeling your positive vibrations all the way in from New York. So you are definitely doing it right. Yes, God. Well, I'm here for that. Thank you cross country okay so faith can you introduce yourself really quickly to everybody who's listening okay so my given name is nicholas turner um but along my own personal journey of my own queerness um i have acquired assortment of names and so um a a lot of people know me as nikki which is a derivative of nicholas um and so along the along that journey when i was expressing who nicholas was and nikki was at that time was also when um, I was just, you know, identifying more as a, like a cisgender, cisgender gay man. Um, and mm-hmm. so along my own personal involvement and level of enlightenment, um, through drag, through my level of transness, uh, I came across to the name Faith, which is a deriv- derivative of the name Faith Lynn, is which what I thought of for myself, which meant the faith within me. Um, and so... A lot of people knows me as Nikki Faith Flynn and also my drag persona, which is mascara, which we'll get into how I'm transcending to mascara from Faith soon enough. Okay. Amazing. So where are you from? How old are you? What's the story? If you never reveal your age, I also respect that. Oh my God. I'm literally going to, I'm just going to say that I'm going to be 26 forever. Um, We're going to just go with that. But I grew up in Texas, born here in LA. And I grew up with my dad's side of the family, more, like my grand, um, my grandmother and my step-grandfather is the ones who raised me on my dad's side in like a group of aunties and stuff. So it was a very welcoming household down in Galveston, Texas. So of course, you know, you know that that's a very conservative town, Texas itself. Um, but mm-hmm. it, you know, I managed and I made do with what was there. So I'm a Texan, I have Southern hospitality. So I think that's probably where Faith gets her level of hospitality and treatment to people. The charm. Oh, yes. I the Texas charm. I could say that. I could... That charm, that charisma. And nerve and talent. Yeah. 
<laughs> Absolutely. You can't forget that oh, unique hello. mask. Oh, Oh my god, I literally am like the only bitch that look like me. Unlike anyone else, yeah. <laughs> like, I just, I'm not, I'm, I'm not confused. Matt, I don't, you can't see this and the, the audience won't be able to see this, but you look amazing right now, Faith. You are like full beat. You've got false eyelashes on. Like the eyebrows are fantastic. You look amazing. I, and do I, you know what she said? She said that she just gave herself a quick touch. That's all. Mm -hmm. It was. Nothing too crazy. It was. I mean, maybe when you're like a professional at this, you're like, oh, it just took me like a few minutes. Like, whatever. All right, that makes sense. I literally am just expressing um, everything that I, you know, that's about me. And so I think mm -hmm. like even right now, you're catching me, although the audience cannot see, right now I have a little <laughs> bit of uh, facial hair, um, mm -hmm. which is very interesting for me because when I, I used to have a negative connotation to facial hair and I, it like contributed to my behavior. It contributed to how I moved with other people and my relationships. Um, and so I'm just happy that now I'm at a place in my life to where I don't like hold dear these small minute details of like of expression um, that mm -hmm. could prevent me from making lasting relationships or even friendships with people. So. Can I ask you what it was or why facial hair was a negative connotation for you? Was it because of its like obvious masculineness? I mean, which is questionable regardless, but it's traditional masculineness. What was it about facial hair that made you feel so negatively? I feel like for me, what has happened is growing up and in our and being in our community, um, what I've noticed is that masculinity is held in a high regard. Um, but I personally understood that I expressed a level of femininity. Um, and so facial hair wasn't anything that I found to be something that I enjoyed because mainly, and it's probably because initially it didn't grow in fully. So then because it was like mm. all patchy, I think that that in itself was like, oh, it's not even a real beard. It's like, <laughs> so it was more irritating. I feel that. It was more irritating than not because of aesthetic reasons. Um, it didn't really become a problem for me until like later on in life where I had I developed this negative connotation to it. It was like long after the military. This was around the time when I had started um, doing hormone treatment. Um, so I was in the Navy for about four years. And so after the military and like various schools and things of that nature, when I started going on hormone, uh, hormone treatment, that's when I was going through this process to where, okay, I don't like my face hair. Anything that was masculine about me, I hated it because I just wasn't accepted with my femininity and my level of masculinity that I had at the time. So of course, in my head, I was like, okay, I'm not being accepted in our community for who I am or who I am expressing. So, and it's like, I'm always treated like you're too feminine or you're just not masculine enough. And so I think what was happening is that when I was seeing my doctor, I was like telling him how I do feel this level of femininity that I'm not expressing and that I'm suppressing mm -hmm. it. And so in that moment is when he was encouraging me to express my feminine side and see what that feels like. And, you know, when you're expressing your feminine side, in, to me in that moment, it did, I, I was the ideal look and aesthetic of female did not include facial hair. So mm -hmm. that's why it was like, okay, I'm embarking this journey and to the world I'm expressing that I'm female. 
I think that I was trying to ha keep, create this level of consistency with my expression. And I think that's just, I just didn't like it. I just didn't, I didn't like facial hair. Emotionally, it didn't make me feel good to have it um, because I just felt like out of place. But I've learned to love it now because now I'm in a place mentally to where it doesn't bother me to have it, to express it, to show it in a place of peace with my facial hair, so to speak, I guess. I love that. There's a couple things that you said that I really appreciated. I think the, f the first thing was that you had a doctor that was so accepting of you and encouraging of you to express your femininity because I, I don't know I, I guess I don't hear that too often of doctors being so encouraging of you know anything related to transitioning or yeah exploration of different gender and different Ex mm. or of sex and gender, whatever. Not that it doesn't happen. I guess we just maybe we don't hear about it too much. Maybe that's not something that's ex that people would necessarily expect from their doctors. But that's amazing to hear. Um, yeah. And then the second thing that I was really powerful for me to hear was that something physically about you just cr was so emotionally wrong or just felt so wrong to who you are that you had to change it and get rid of it because it to me that and from what I have read and heard from people who um, are not cisgender that that is just like the easiest most simple way to explain how they feel about certain parts of their body um, and when you the way that you put it was just so perfectly succinct to the point and just hit it right on the head that I felt like I really understood where you were coming from and what you had been going through. Not, Of course, not that I will ever really be able to understand it as a cisgender person, but the way that you just put it right now was so powerful. I'm happy that you received it in that way. I think that the understanding from my, uh, from my experience is that I wanted to pay attention to my emotions, pay attention to my environment, pay attention to how I'm feeling in those moments because those are the crucial moments for us as a, like for me personally, for me to fully grasp these types of changes that I have chosen to, mm -hmm. to do. And it goes the same with anyone. I think that a lot of times mo some people tend to forget that even people who decide that they want to get nose jobs or Brazilian butt lifts, like all, <laughs> all of those things, all of those actions is someone telling themselves that, hey, I'm looking at my body and I want it to aesthetically look a certain way. And these are the changes that I need to do to do that. What tends to happen is when people do that, that seems to be more accepting because they think that, oh, you're still, because they look at you as, they don't look at you as someone who is crazy, quote unquote, mm -hmm. or they don't look at you as someone who is, as they would like to say, is abnormal. The reality of it is, is we're all just trying to live and we're all just trying to accept what is naturally about us. Like, mm -hmm. uh, our level of queerness is something that we were obviously born with. Um, for me, it was. I can't speak for every queer person out there, but I can say for me, everything that I've experienced has been a natural progression of what I felt. Um, and I wanted to, to not be resistant to that because what I've learned along this journey is about moving and behaving in the least resistant manner. Because when we res resist things, whether it is not to um, say hi to someone or not to go to 
allow ourselves to go a certain place because we feel uncomfortable. These are the things that we have to really look at ourselves to see, okay, why are we uncomfortable about this? Was it something that happened to me? Is there some underlining like perception of whether it's a group of individuals, a part of our community, or mm -hmm. is it something about them that I don't like that I don't know that I don't like and I don't know where it's coming from? Like I've just learned to try to listen to all of those images or moments in my life that comes up mm -hmm. um, and try to address them personally because I know that it's these thoughts and things like things come up for a reason and of course yeah. I I do believe that you know our thoughts are not who we are they're just thoughts and then we get to choose and filter them out and do all these things with them um, but mm. I just learned to try to try not to reject everything about myself and try to like see what it is that I'm really comfortable with it was like an indirect like an uh, indirect experiment with society when it comes to your level of my level of expression because then I get to I got to see how people treated me I got to see how they feel about me I got to see their different reactions towards me um, so for me it is like a very good eye-opener and a good gauge to find genuine people that literally do appreciate people unconditionally and so I think that's where my Oh my God, I'm so, so sorry. I have a little puppy here. My roommate has a puppy. Maybe the dog's outside are screaming. So I apologize if y'all hear dogs. I promise you we're not hurting dogs here. <laughs> I never would have thought that, don't worry. Oh, I don't know if y'all can hear it. Yeah, I promise you we're not running no like dog sweatshop, nothing crazy. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I think that is something really important that I've started to recognize too as I've gotten older is that everything that I feel is kind of a direct reaction to something again you said that very eloquently it's something that i didn't really recognize when i was younger and as i've gotten older i've realized like oh i feel this way because of something that has happened and being able to like look into that is a really important part of i think growing into yourself and growing into your queerness like you're saying i think that it really truly allows us to figure out who we are and why we are the way that we are i totally am resonating with everything that you're saying there i did want to ask really quickly what are your pronouns i resonate with all of them although okay. female pronouns are my favorite I resonate with all of them. Well, the thing about it is I had elevated to this. I evolved to being mm -hmm. this way. I used to um, hate when people would use male pronouns um, when I was expressing female. And through my experience, I really witnessed how it doesn't matter how female I was expressing, whether it was with bras that accentuated breast with, and I was, you know, I had extra padding going on to accentuate curves. And people would still refer to me as my male counterpart. They would be like, they would use male pronouns. And there was there there were times where I was um, I would get angry and be like, you don't see all of this. You don't see all of this, like you know, female, you know, yeah. womanness here in front of you. Um, but then I understood that I just what other people see is not what I see. What I know about myself is not what everybody else knows. And other people's confusion is not my confusion. And so I have to understand that we all are human and we all have different lenses that we look through. And I try to offer people a level of compassion and a level of understanding. And I look at them in a way sometimes with people that you should have compassion for because they obviously have something that don't allow them to see 
the same clearness that you do. And I have to just allow them to be who they are and accept that for who they are. I mean, as long as I'm not subjecting myself to negativity or subjecting myself to being uh, mistreated, then mm -hmm. who they are, I can accept them for who they are and I can like move on. And so now people use male and female pronouns with me regardless of my expression and it doesn't feel like it's a dig it doesn't feel like it hurts me at all so you think it's more about them than about anything going on with you oh for sure yeah oh for sure um what i've gathered is that people tend to speak to people based off of what they what they get from them some people will be will use male pronouns all the time with with their friends and then there's some some where we use female pronouns with our friends and these are people who probably consider themselves cisgender cisgender people cisgender queer people and so for me, it's like I just learned so much along along my journey. It's like, oh, first it's like, oh, when I found out what gay is, then it's like, okay, so I'm a gay man. I just found out what cisgender meant like within five years. So if I was to use that as if I knew about cisgender back then, it would be like, okay, I identified as a cisgender gay man. Then I evolved into a transgender woman. And now I have e evolved into a non-binary cis, non cisgender uh, trans person. So it's like, it's a lot to say, but it's only because everybody else want to know the shit. I, I'm okay. Like, I just yeah. look at myself as a, an amazing human who just, has, live. who just living, being sickening, and my expression can be anything that I see fit on that day in that moment. Everyone else are the ones who are like, so they're like, so what is this? I want to do this. Like, what are your pronouns? I honestly understand why people ask pronouns. And it's more so because there are a lot of people who want you to ask them their pronouns because they want to be, um, they want to be, they want to be recognized. And, and we all deserve to be recognized. And we all deserve to be spoken to the way that we want to be spoken to, called the names that we want to be spoken to. Hell, I don't give a damn if a bitch is, uh, changes her name a hundred times. We, if this bitch changed her name and she want to be called something different, girl we gonna go with it but you also want to give people that 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 um that leeway of understanding that bitch you just gave us a different name seven months ago but we're gonna take <laughs> it we're gonna go with it you know you just go with it you know it can be confusing but if you can come at it with the level of understanding that it's probably more difficult for that bitch who, who's changing their name than it is for the person who is not changing their name you know, so mm. it's like you just have to just try to look at it from their standpoint and that there's always I look at it as if somebody changes their name, there must there got to be a meaning behind it. And there yeah. is it's something going on with them. Yeah, it's something going on, but not in a bad way. But it's like, yeah, but yeah, like for me, like each of my names, a progression. Yes. Uh, yes. My names all have a meaning. Faith Lynn has a meaning. Mascara has a meaning. And it's just great. Mm. And I, I love it. And and I'll yeah, I just do. You're brilliant. Thank you. I mean, so I, I, I only, <laughs> it's hard for me to like really take that in because I, I tend to, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just as human as anybody else, but it can be hard for me to take like really good compliments like that. Um, and it, but I really do appreciate it. I really truly do. For real. And I, I also want you to know that that was kind of the vibe that I got with you. Like when I, when I went to Matt and I was like, I really want to have faith on, like I've met her a number of times in LA and he was like okay well like what she like and I was like I don't really I was like she just is who she is she is just a ray of light like at a you just I, that is exactly the energy that I get from you you're like I'm just doing me and I'm not gonna let anybody bring me down at all you're like I have no time for any negativity I have no time for any sadness you light up my like day every time I see you genuinely 
it, it, so. mean, it means a lot for you to say that and thank you. Yeah. And I can feel that. I definitely do feel that when I am like in my element and like I'm out there and I'm doing it and I'm feeling it. And I feel like it has resonated with people because I can see it in like the jobs that I've gotten. I've seen it in the opportunities that have been given to me. It's because of what people have seen. It's like they've seen how I've treated other people when it comes to business. And so that has resonated with people that have allowed me to be working in this city. I am just beyond grateful, like beyond grateful. And I think that it, it literally is because I have learned the art of just trying to be me, but at the same time, it can be very, very difficult and lonely because a lot of people, you're misunderstood. People don't know what to make of you. You just witness everyone else finding love and like, uh, you know, and making things happen. Whether it's just superficial, maybe it's on the surface and maybe it's just hookups, that may be what it actually is. But the reality of it is, is it's just a little bit, it's a lot tougher for, you know, people like me to want to mm. find genuine love and for somebody to really accept them for everything that they are. Um, because a lot of people live in, their head as well. They have this predisposed notion of like what their this picket fence world looks like and the type of partner that they want. And, but the reality of it is, is you may we may not always get exactly what we want and in the package that we that we receive it in. You know, but that doesn't mean that we're not receiving what we deep down internally am desiring. And so that's why I try not to reject the opportunity of of love with anybody. I really want to hear more about this idea of at you evolving between or or just your evolution in general I, I i've never really heard someone describing their transition or their growth into themselves their development into themselves as like an ongoing evolution so that is super interesting to me and i kind of love that terminology because it it makes it seem like there is no there's no finiteness yeah, it's not like our a identities I think a lot yeah. of people view trans as like a change, not like a, okay, we're on this journey. Right. They almost, yeah. I feel like a lot of people look at, you know, when someone says that, that they are trans, they automatically assume that they hate their body, that they want, that they feel like they're born in the wrong body, um, and mm. that they are, that, they're, that, that some are confused. And this is just, you know, messages that are going that are being put out there which is not true we're all j human just the same i think what i've understood about my own personal body is that i wanted to ch change my body physically because i was in the mindset of believing that oh i'm a woman in here but my outside you know physical characteristics are male and what i need to do to change that because the only way I can be female is if I change my body physically. And that's number one, mm. I think, was also a something that I had to debunk because I'm already who I am. Like, I don't have to physically do anything. Like, I don't have to take hormones. I don't have to... Yeah, I just, I just came to a place in my life where I don't have to do anything. I am a woman. I am a man. I am a... a you know, a creature of the high God. I am given a level of abundance and a level of of wealth in a way that is just very unparalleled that can't be taken away. And so we all as humans have to understand the amount of power that we're given. Yes, we are born into a world that has shown us that there is this level of 
um, hierarchy for through race where people receive resources because of that and we're and we're treated accordingly we're witnessing a huge amount of change that is happening that's going to take us continued work for us to to see even more progress within our community even the like the racial uh, disparities that we go through i didn't think of everything that i'm going through as an evolution i used to live in a very dark place and not understand why i'm receiving these feelings why like the world is telling me that i chose to be gay but i'm like but why would i choose to be in an environment where people can ridicule me and make me feel like less than and like why would i do that mm -hmm. like why would anybody choose that um, I think that we, yeah. And so I think that for me, I had to just constantly learn about myself, and and it and it like I said, like I started out as a cisgender gay man. The thing about the doctor situation is that when I was in after the military, I didn't have this particular doctor that I have now. It was an evolution to get to this doctor because the, all the other people that I had saw before that, it was like. A small amount of time. The work that we were working on was like cognitive behavior therapy and that was because yeah. that has something to do with like military trauma that we were working through. We weren't we weren't dealing with anything that had to do with like trans or like my gender dysphoria like fully just yet. Like within the last I think four or five years is when we were able to to do that with the help of the doctor and with the help of like getting a job working at um at equinox in 2016 collectively when i was welcomed i was welcomed there male presenting i when i went to them and was like hey can i do this which was like small increments of changes that i wanted to place on myself which was like oh wear hair at work you know be a little bit more feminine even asked about the bathrooms of like can i start going using to the women's bathroom um, and those mm. were some changes that I started to do when I was working at Equinox because it was a high level of acceptance of who I was as a, as a human. And that was That's very, awesome. and that was comforting. With the, com the help of me getting that job and my doctor, it was just happening at the same time to help me um, explore the feminine side of me. And so that's how that came about. But it didn't happen without me um, utilizing drag as an outlet to do that. My personal drag was considered pedestrian because before you can get on hormones, the way it works is that you're supposed to live your life in the, 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 specific, the specified gender of your choice for a whole year before you can get um, hormones or really? get on medication. That's how it's supposed to go. But that's how it says on paper. But depending on where you go, you can get them earlier. And so okay. for me, I did what was told. They said I had to go see a doctor. Officially, I did that. And I was, uh, you know, I expressed myself through my drag, so to speak, quote unquote, um, as female. And all of that collectively helped me under, like learn more about who I was as a person and also expressed what I felt, what I thought was my most authentic self. So when you say that you were doing drag, you're not talking about like, up on a stage, Drag queen, Trixie Mattel. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, like, yeah. No, you, it would be that. You, you were doing that. that. It was performance drag. It was performance. Oh, okay. But do you mean you were, when you say like pedestrian drag, do you mean you were just wearing it anytime you were out in public, essentially? Well, when you say pedestrian, that means that you just look like a regular person, a, a people of the society, meaning like you okay. just blend in with society. Whenever somebody okay. has a pedestrian look, that's what that means. So like when Michelle Visage reads, reads a queen for looking pedestrian, it just means like what you're wearing is not 
yeah, you're not bringing it. Yes, it would be like, but see, the thing about it, no shade, my particular pedestrian drag is not what she would be reading the girls for. My pedestrian drag no. is pretty fierce and sickening. So if anything, bitches are always gagging whenever they would see me out anyways, asking me about my shoes, asking me about my makeup, asking me about this and that. So I was very blessed. My, it was, don't, because I say pedestrian, I don't want you to, I don't, I'm not trying to dumb it down to make it seem like I was just like, just some basic kind of girl because it wasn't that <laughs> at all. Like I served does not do basic. basic. No, I don't. I don't even know what basic looks like. I swear to you, even no. when I try to do basic, it turns out to be sick thing. <laughs> Fully. I love it. And for the straight people listening or the people who don't understand, when we say gagging or when Faith says gagging, it's a good thing. It means that like <laughs> you have turned a look that is so incredible that someone is like, oh my God, it's like a, it's a, it's a good thing. So you want to leave people gagging. It's not a bad thing. And as I shall continue about like the the how this evolvement had has had happened. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, per my last email. Um... Oh my god. <laughs> I know. <laughs> right. My like I said, with my drag, my drag, and with that allowed me to express who I was authentically in that moment and in, in that moment in time. And it was it was a lot to deal with. You can feel the energy from people. A lot of our personal experiences are literally about what we tell ourselves in those moments, what we believe in those moments, and what has happened to us before those moments. And because we can create this whole narrative, we all do it. People can, I don't think there's anybody in, in the world that do not create their own narratives in their head of stuff. And my French vanilla fantasy. Yeah, pretty much. That's exactly oh what the, that's exactly what the girls are doing. And I <laughs> and I understand completely. And it and I feel like it's also a form of safety. I feel like it's also a form of defense mm -hmm. mechanism so that we don't feel naive, that we don't feel like we're plant, being the fool. I feel like there's a lot of different reasons why we create these narratives in our head, because sometimes our, it, the narratives is created also through intuition. Um, that is, and our intuition is built to create safety and to keep us alert and to keep us um, on our toes when it comes to danger around us. And that's the reason why that was a God-given or higher power-given uh, attribute yeah. of ours. Yeah, I just love to just try to like tap into that and pay attention to that. And we're not always right. I'm not always right, but I, I always like, most of the time I am. I do want to circle back really quickly and touch on how you said you identify. So you said you're a non-binary cisgendered trans person? Correct. Okay. And to most people, when someone say they're transgender, that means that they're saying that they are unhappy, that they want to change their body physically. I do not okay. feel that way in this moment. I do not feel like yes. I need to physically change my body. So that's what makes me cisgender. I am a trans person because there's a level of transness that is that I exude and I possess and that I'm that will always be with me. Non-binary allows me to understand that my expression fluctuates up and down on the spectrum and my expression could be anything based on how I feel and the and where I'm going. I love it. I love it so much because it's it makes it so aggressively and explicitly fluid but also uses the terms that everybody already is like, well, these are the ones I know, but it totally makes sense. Yeah. It literally gives people an understanding, like for those that do understand what they all mean, then they can understand where I'm at. You know, if I was to say that I'm a transgender person only, um, then that would give the, the notion that, okay, this person is um, physically changing their body. A, that yeah. potentially what they could be doing. I personally don't feel the need for the titles. 
Um, but I feel like, like I said, everyone else, you know, wants to know them. And if they do, I'm more than happy to share them. Faith, what would you say to someone who would almost argue with your, or the titles that you've, that you use and say that they're contradictory, that, you know, you can't be cisgender and trans or you can't be cisgender and non-binary. You know, what would you say to someone who, who said that to you? No one can really tell me who I am, what I am, how I express and what that is. Regardless of what I say, whether I say that I'm trans, not trans, whether I'm cisgender, not cisgender, gay, bisexual or anything, the reality of it is, is people are going to create their own reality of who I am regardless of what I say. To make so, themselves more comfortable. Correct. And I am yeah. okay with that. So if they think that what I'm saying is contradictory, then baby, that is on them. Like I said, my confusion is not their confusion. And so they just need to yes. be at, they need to be at peace with knowing that this is who I am as long as they are at peace with knowing who they are. Period. Period. I'm just blown away. I mean, <laughs> I, I have nothing. I'm speechless. That is, is, is amazing. We're all are here to really live. Life is not about like, let me go to school, get a job, um, pay off student debt, and then just go home. Like life is literally, from what I've gathered, life is. It's, it's, <laughs> Matt's wow, feeling attacked me right now. Harder, girl. <laughs> huh? Never. Y'all should never you hit feel the attacked. nail on the head. No, y'all should not feel attacked. This was created for us and told us that this is what we're supposed to do. It is. It's society. It's. They told us that we're supposed to do these things. You're supposed to go get a degree and get more than one degree and do all these things. And so that's okay. So if you're telling me that I'm supposed to strive for these things and it's like, oh, if you get this degree, then you can make this money, then you can do this. It's almost like telling you here's a map of your success or one way of success. So people get to choose that route. It's like the game of life. <laughs> yeah. And you figure it out along the way. I've also mm. learned that our truths can change. I've understood that there's nothing that's set, that's set in stone. Life is a big modification. We always have to modify things. We always have to change things up to reevaluate and maneuver. That's what life calls for. The road that we travel in life will not always be one road, the same direction only. From, from what I've experienced. This is really interesting, especially I think with everything going on right now, and it makes makes me wanna ask, and if you don't wanna answer this, you don't have to, um, and there's no right answer by any means. You're saying that a lot of people can grow and change and our path is gonna change and our mindset is gonna change. With everything that's going on, obviously you're gonna learn and you're gonna change. And I'm curious, I don't even know how to totally phrase this, but like when someone is homophobic, say, as they get older and as they like learn and their viewpoint gets better, like what advice do you have for people who may be closed-minded and like are starting on this journey of like enlightening themselves, I guess. And when is there a point where you, do you know what I'm trying to say? Or Matt, can you like, can you fit, like piece my thoughts from together? What I'm, from what I'm getting, from what I'm <laughs> thinking you're trying to say is, is like when we encounter someone who is maybe like original, like who start off as homophobic, but then they yeah, have this- grew up conservative, like had a set set of views, you know? And you're like the first queer person they're actually meeting. So they like used to be homophobic and now they're like, oh, I realize that that's bad, but I've never actually met any 
queer people or someone who's not straight cisgender. And I mean, I think it applies to everything. I think it applies to queerness. I think it applies to race. I think it applies to ethnicity. Like we're now learning that like what we grew up in has affected us in such a way that like is so deeply ingrained in us that like I think a lot of people don't even realize that some of the things that they do are really fucked up, obviously. And how do you think people better themselves in that regard? How do you think you actually take steps to become less homophobic and become less set in this narrative? What worked for you to to like finally be like I can just do it like I don't know you know what I'm saying it, it takes trial and error it takes un, it takes research it takes education it takes you t uh, taking the initiative for me to even be where I'm at right now it's because I kept reading I kept reading about how to be enlightened I kept reading about what it means to be gay what it means to be trans what it means to have like social disorder like anxiety disorders like anything that I have a thought of that I thought that I was having a problem with I would look it up. Even if my doctor diagnosed me with something, I would look at that. I would look at why I am, um, why do I feel the way that I feel in these environments with these people? So what is it that they're doing that's causing me to have anxiety? What is it that um, in, this, in these moments is causing me to like want to drink more? Is it like the energy that I'm getting from these people? So I had to analyze my experiences with people and why I was doing the things that I was doing and understand that I can't blame fully blame people for my actions when it comes to how I deal with the things that come to me. People who are, who have these set of views and they're trying to change these set of views, um, I think it's about education, learning about a, a, a set of demographics of individuals. And, and if you're uncomfortable about being around those people, if you're uncomfortable when you see them, you need to look at, look deep in, within your heart, deep into your mind and try to understand where is that rooted from? You need to look at like whether or not your family and like where you grew up at, like did, were they, did you miss the signs of like what the things that they showed you, like the video, the movies that they showed you, the things that they said about your neighbors who happened to be someone who looked different than you. Sometimes it's, it's, a, um, it's a brainwashed situation that has been so seamless, seamlessly done to generations of people. It's so blind, blinding for a lot of people to even understand that it's happening. It's a mixture of people who are willing to understand that this is what has been happening. And then there's people who are willing to live in denial because they have a high level of fear that change is not going to happen is not going to benefit them if we allow a set of demographic of individuals to rise and to be profitable and to be uh to be just as well as us even when they say like when it comes to like group activities or like a team efforts when they say that we're not as we're as strong as our weakest link it's the same situation here it's like with, when it comes to the homeless people people think that oh we should just leave them out there because they want to be out there well the reality of it is is if we take care of the homeless people then that allows us to create a healthier environment outside for all of us and so in return we're helping ourselves if we're helping the homeless but people yeah. don't see how even like a small thing of some a small gesture like that will help the greater good and the evolvement of health and wellness of everybody i think that yeah. people tend to be very um closed-minded um and all and all about themselves um, which is okay in a sense because they you know we are taught to uh, make sure we take ourselves first but I think that when we are taking care of ourselves first, but at the expense of others getting less than, I think that's when we need to open up our eyes and understand, okay, how can I still receive what I want, but also help another person receive just as much as what I'm receiving if there's no reasoning behind I need to get more than them. But if it's based off of just race and all these and other demographics, 
that are trying yeah. that are separating people, then I think that that is something that we need to like personally look into. People decide whether or not they want to change, even when they hear the facts. They can either believe the facts are true or they can believe that they're false and live in their own reality. I can speak for myself when I say that I'm a person of color who wants wellness for others. I want us all to be able to live in a world where we all can be harmoniously happy together and be uplifting to each other regardless of who we are. But at the same time, I think that because I was born, as I would say, like a non-binary where the spectrum is and I relate to everyone, I feel like everyone else look at themselves as a, an individual. And I think that a lot of people do hold dear to the things that we see physically on the outside instead of internally uh, trying to connect with people through the heart and through the mind. And I think that if we can get more people to love more and to look at people through a, a softer lens, I feel like maybe people would find it a little bit easier to make these specific changes that will help us all. For as the White House, I honestly just think that it just, we need to find a way to replace them all. It's a very mind-blowing situation to see so many people in power to be so confused and conflicted on the things that are needed for this community to grow and to prosper. And it's just like blowing all our minds that we have all these people who literally do not understand what it means to have a level of human decency and to and to really care about other humans. That's what's the most scariest about our times that we're living in right now. I totally agree. I think the thing that I've come to, I, I read somewhere, all of the people that are kind of making those decisions to you know, defund social programs and whatnot are all of the people who don't realize that they have benefited from those exact types of things, just maybe not as explicitly as what they're defunding, because they come from communities where over-policing doesn't exist because there are those social programs in place that are normalized in those communities, so they don't understand a world where that doesn't exist. They just see other communities as not utilizing those resources the way that everybody in their community did. So, you know, if they're not utilizing it, we should defund it because it's not, they're not taking advantage of it. And it's like, well, no, actually, they don't exist in communities that are predominantly people of color and predominantly black people because you're defunding them. You're taking yeah. the opportunity for them to exist away, but they don't understand that. Or they specifically do understand that and are intentionally doing that for- To further you know, exacerbate that cycle. Because they live yeah, in fear. They're living in fear. They think that giving people of color the opportunity for entrepreneurship, have the same access to loans to get a good home, they just have something wrapped in their head that if we allow you know, us to progress, that it's gonna take away from them. We're gonna continue to fight, we're gonna continue to, to speak and, and, and help educate other people and, and help them understand like the way that they're thinking isn't correct. But I also do think that it will take people that look that are white, that look like them, that hold their counterparts accountable. And to do that so publicly and to make sure that they held accountable, to make sure that change is happening, it really does take consistent effort. A million uh, people of color can come together. The same can happen behind the scenes with with people that are not of color. Something that, that comes to mind in hearing you speak is the idea that like people who have been oppressed don't then go and oppress 
I understand what you're saying that people that were once oppressed, our their goal is not to try to oppress other people. The focus is okay, if we were oppressed, then let us not be oppressed anymore. And like, let's now, where are the resources for us to thrive as humans? That's what we all want. A lot of people just don't really get it. They don't get it. And even within our own community, when it came to like just, you know, trans people and um, gay people who were effeminate and gay people who were people of color or of another race or like they were Asian. And so we've witnessed it within our own community. For me, when I was introduced into the gay scene, it was when I was in, in Texas. Um, and mm -hmm. so I just had friend, a few friends that was gay. Um, only I think I only had like one friend that was gay, really. Where did you say you were in Texas also? Galveston. Is that a small small town small... on the south, all the way at the excuse me at the bottom of Texas? It's like an okay. island, like it's called Galveston Island. So I really was, of course, in Texas. I wasn't out by no means, so I wasn't like trying to flaunt my queerness at that time. I didn't feel any discrimin uh, any like discrimination when I was uh, in Texas at that time, only because it was I was mainly around a bunch of people that were people of color. And not to say that if I was when I was around white people that I felt discrimination. It was just like a very welcoming environment for the most part. It was honestly when I came to California and was like introduced to like the gay scene. That was when the apps were created and so it's like when you you log on to the apps it's already telling you what they are not into they're like oh i'm not into feminine boys i'm not into blacks i'm not into you know asians and so this was um, the constant message that one would see all the time so then it's it was very difficult for me to not take that on personally mm -hmm. internalize it yeah, to, yeah to not internalize it even though when people are like oh don't internalize it it's not about you but it really it really is if you're not into people of color it's a nicer way if somebody of color that messages you you can easily either not answer or you can just be like hey sorry i'm not interested i feel like um a lot of times people tend to express what they feel in a way that could be a bit aggressive because they don't really know how to articulate their thoughts in a way to, that can come off non-offensive. I, I naturally was attracted to men of an opposite race or like just lighter complexion. I'm, I'm an equal opportunity officer, don't get me wrong, by no means. <laughs> um, I just found that most men that I've had relations with, most of them were we're white. I'm still like, you know, having sex with, you know, white men, but at the same time, I still have a group of other white men telling me that I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy enough. I was infatuated with older men. I loved older men because they tend to already be well off in their in their in their career. They tend to know mm -hmm. how to have been very respect uh, respectful of like the, you know, us young us young whippersnappers, as my, my grandfather <laughs> would call us. Oh my God. <laughs> I knew internally that I wanted to show love towards people and I wanted to be accepted and welcomed and loved and appreciated for everything about me. Um, but I wasn't always receiving that. And so it, could, it can leave a person jaded um, along, that, along that journey. So for me, because I wasn't accepted as being this effeminate guy, of course, that would make me question, like, am I, am I effeminate because I was supposed to be born a woman? Am I, um, am I 
not expressing my authentic self. So that's where the thoughts of like, oh my God, maybe I was born a woman and maybe I'm supposed to, you know, transition. And and that's how, you know, that all came about because I honestly felt like I may, I may not have went through um, the level of transitioning that I did if I probably would have like fell in love with somebody at a younger age and like who loved me for me being a gay, effeminate man. And if we were together forever, I probably, I probably wouldn't have, I don't know. Some things that could have contributed to the fact um, to me uh, like going through the the transition like physical transition was some of it was because of the negative things that I was feeling and I just wasn't receiving any answers and so I was just trying to figure out like is this what I'm supposed to be doing is this what I'm supposed to be how I'm supposed to be expressing myself so it was literally all a trial and error for me where it's just like Am I comfortable? Am I really comfortable? Am I really, really comfortable? Or am I just yeah. comfortable for the moment? And so I think that's what I had to have to like live through. And so that's how I... Mm -hmm. I just find it so ironic that when you were in Texas, you were saying it was like open and and, ex and like accepting and like you had very minimal issues. And then you come to LA or you come to California where it's like supposed to be this like liberal open Mecca. And you're like, wow, there's a lot of judgment and a lot of like close, like this is not, I find that so ironic. <laughs> Well, the thing about it is, is because when I was in Texas, I really wasn't like me, like going out and doing anything to where I mm. could be receiving like what I received in California because California is so diverse. Then you have all these different walks of life of people and groups, all these different groups. When I was in Texas, I was only used to like pretty much one type of like one group of people and type of people. Yeah. So I really didn't, it really didn't offer me the opportunity to be as diverse. I, I love the fact that California is diverse, but with diversity also comes with different personalities, also comes with different views, also comes with yeah. a lot of different things. And so I'm more than grateful for what I have, you know, experienced from California. We all come from different journeys. And so we all have yeah. different experiences. When people see me or they interact with me, if they act uh, negative, negatively towards me, I tend to look at that it's more on them than it is on me because there's tons of things that could have happened with them. There's women out there whose partners have slept with um, other trans people who have cheated on them with other gay men. And so these experiences have led these people to like not like the, the queer community. They could have been going through a level of trauma that doesn't allow them to see the good that I possess. And that's okay. Yeah. I just try to look at, literally look at people with a very soft lens and understand that they could be, they obviously must be going through something or went through something. I wish I had your patience. I do too, and I I hear that, but it for me at the same time I do have some I do have some trouble with that because on one level you can be understanding that someone has gone through something particularly bad, but at the same time, does that give them a free pass to fully judge an entire demographic of people and maybe treat them poorly to project because their of their troubles onto you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not at all. I think it's always a for me. It's a situ. It's um case by case basis. I I guess I'm just one of those people that I tend to just like be able to like let it roll off my back, uh, so to speak, um, because it's like I'm not gonna devote my energy to things that aren't gonna promote health and wellness for myself. Um, in that regard, especially. Yeah, you're taking care of yourself in that in those situations. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that that's just what I, I try to look at is just like, you know what? I'm going to wash my hands with this one because if this was coming from somebody that I care about, like one of my good Judy's or a family member, maybe I will like entertain it so we can have dialogue and have conversation. If it's not any of those people, then I don't even bother uh, to even engage or to even give it a second thought. I've learned to create this level of patience um, because I feel like people have been patient with me. People have helped me in so many ways. Like they have like given me places to stay, given me some like food to eat and just being so supportive of me. And I think that in those moments, I think that's probably what also aided into where I'm at now, where all I want to do is try to make a difference. I know what it's like to be homeless, so I know what it's like, what it feels like when you want to eat and you don't have access to eat and you don't, and no one was willing to help you. You are willing to do anything for survival. And it was around the times when I was working at Equinox and a lot of people didn't right. know that. And so it's like, I I understood that I still need to show face. I worked at a, I, I didn't have a job before Equinox for a long time. So when I got the job at Equinox, I was so happy to work that I was willing to do anything to keep that job. And I've also learned when I was homeless, I didn't, this is, these are moments in time. Life is, life in the darkness is just moments in time. We always just have to find the light. When you find the light mm. in the darkness, the darkness can never drown out the light. And I think that I always internally always knew that I was going to not be homeless again. And so, and here, I'm not homeless. I manifested mm. to be here and it's just, I've just, I'm just in a place of a lot of gratitude, a lot of gratitude. I've read and understood that I am what they consider as a light worker, you know, someone who is their sole purpose in life is to help other people find a level of enlightenment, help other people understand their power and help understand and help other people understand their level of importance and how we can all make a difference with our own personal efforts. That is what helped me be who I am like in this moment. I love that. I appreciate that so much. Um, I I also wanted to circle back to something that you mentioned before because I think my initial reaction to it, and I've I've kind of been thinking about it a bit since, and I'm realizing that my initial reaction isn't the truth, and there are likely to be other people listening to this may, who may also have the same reaction as me. When you were talking about your experience when you first got to California and that you were on the apps and they made you, they, they influenced your decision to physically transition and how, you know, that may not have happened had you taken a different path. You know, you may not have transitioned had you taken another path. To my initial reaction to that was, you know, that is kind of a, a scary thing to hear, especially when there is so much negativity towards people who who do fully uh, physically transition or get gender affirming surgery. And, you know, put a message like that where like, you know, maybe if something else had happened in my life, I wouldn't transition could potentially be negative. But the more I sat and ruminated with it, I was like, well, actually, this just shows more of that fluidity that we've been talking about. So I would be really interested to hear what kind of what you think about my initial thoughts and how what you were saying in the physical transition that you've been through isn't actually at odds with somebody who does fully transition or have a different transition story than you that may be more in line with what we are told is what a trans person does. Does that all make sense? 
Um, I believe so. From what I've gathered about life in general, a lot of things influence our behaviors, our, like how we think, move, and act, and treat each other and ourselves. For me, the reasoning why I said that um, those apps had influenced um, whether or not I helped me transition is because for me, when I was receiving these messages that um, I am not that I'm too feminine and that it was more so the fact that when I was trying to create these relationships with these men that I wanted, I in my head had these predisposed notions that I wanted them to do certain things for me that normally comes second nature, so to speak, in a cis normative um, relationship. For an example, in most cis normative relationships, um, Maybe times have changed, so men and women both pay their way. By all means, I understand that. But a lot of times, when women go out with men, or so it's it's known, the customary that women do not pay. Um, whereas in a gay community, a lot of us we treat each other very fifty fifty. It's very much you pay your way. It's always Dutch for the most part. I already internalized that I wanted people to do these things naturally without me telling them. And so mm. some of these things that I adopted in my own head would be associated the same way that a woman would be if she was with her 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 partner. A few things that aided together that made me feel the way that I felt. It wasn't just like what they were saying on the apps. That was like a small portion of that. For me, I had to also um, understand that who I was as a person and what I, w I wanted to learn more about myself. I wanted to explore the female side of me. I wanted to see what that felt like because I there must be a reason. I knew that there was a reasoning behind me feeling the way that I was feeling. I feel like it's easier for me to relate to to trans women and also relate to queer, to, to cisgender gay men. I see trans women that are homeless. I find that when you find that your sole purpose is to do something that's bigger than yourself, find an area that needs help. I know that in the queer community, trans people, um, they need assistance of be uh, not becoming homeless and helping finding resources. Um, and it can be difficult for cisgender gay people, I find, not to say that they all, because they don't live a life as a trans person that they, and even though they want to help trans people, I feel like it could be difficult for them to relate, to, to, to meet them halfway for that trans person to feel comfortable for them to be able to open up to them. And I feel like my personal journey has allowed me to be able to do that so that I can be a liaison from the from parts of the trans community to our, to the cisgender queer community so that to help understand that we all are one and that we all have been around since the start of time. So it's not like, oh, trans people have just, is just now becoming, you know, in the world. We've always been here. They just popped up. <laughs> And, it, and we both know, and we all know that that's not the case. My personal experience has always been unique to mine. So that's why if I could encourage people um, out there that do use these apps, I would not take anything personal that people are expressing on their pages that doesn't, that isn't aligned, that doesn't show love and kindness. And so I think that if people can try to really think about what they're saying before they say it, um, even like write it out and be like, how does this sound? like? Would I want someone to say that to me? <laughs> right. Was I able to answer your question? <laughs> oh my God, um, I wish Matt could see the smile. A, a bit. I th you definitely touched on it a bit. I think my 
where I'm still maybe a bit concerned is or confused is like if like I've gotten into arguments with people before who don't agree that people under the age of 18 or even people under the age of like 25 or 30 should have access to um, hormone replacement therapies or should be should have any sort of access to medical transitioning or gender affirmation surgery and that you know potentially hearing the story of someone who you know did some sort of hormone uh, replacement or did transition and then you know realized or decided that that wasn't totally right for them you know could potentially kind of fuel those arguments in favor of not in favor of limiting access to you know those kind those life-changing surgeries for some or life-changing medical life-changing medicine for some people everyone's see the thing about this is that everyone's life is different I, for me i had to take hormones for me to see if to understand more about who I was as a person. Along my journey, I bec I understood that what what I wanted and what I did not want. Everyone is not different. Some people are very like direct and confirming and know that exactly what it is who they like what it is that they want to do and who they are. I was one of those people who was always trying to find out who am I who am I what like nothing that was given to me by society was ever enough somebody telling me that I'm gay that's not enough for me and then I'm like learning what trans really is I'm like oh maybe that's what it is um I always maneuvered and like did things so that I can learn more about myself. Everyone is different. I think that there is a level of um, experience that must be needed for one to understand who they are. I think for me, that's what happened. Everyone isn't the same. I think that it's extremely important for people to have access to hormone therapy and treatment and hormonal medicine because it does aid in creating this level of health and wellness for ourselves and creating this level of stability to understand that, okay, now I'm able to live the life that I feel is meant for me. We all are deserving of that opportunity. And for people to try to say that people should not be able to have that right, then that I don't think is I don't think that's fair and I don't think that's correct. Now, for as people that's under the age of 18, then that's one thing. When it even comes to children, when you, you're told to treat children like adults at a very young age and to speak to them in that manner. And of course, I'm a little biased because I'm, I'm a, you know, of who I am. Like if my child came to me and, and was able to articulate to me that these are the true feelings that they feel, I would find it as a parent that it's important for me to exercise the right to help my child feel the best that they can be. And I feel like when people speak about what they want and who they are, I feel like people should listen. I feel like a lot of times people think that transness is a, a very um, concrete thing, that if someone says they're yeah. trans, that that means that they're, go and if, if you meet them, one gender and they say that they're trans that means that that person is gonna the next time you see them they're gonna be a different Flip the gender. switch yeah they like they really do feel that and for me i just i don't embody that i embody all the choices that i made in my life physically and meant to help me be the person that i am today were all choices that i chose to make in a sound mind because i felt like that's what i wanted to experience so that i can understand myself and i think what matt matt i've heard that argument too of you know do you give hormones to someone who's under 18? And I think a lot of the argument in that is based in people who believe that, you know, 
you do one injection of a hormone and all of a sudden you flipped the switch and there's no going back. And I think what you're saying, Faith, makes a lot of sense that it's like it's not it's not the flip of a switch. It is a, a fluid thing. It's not like if there's like this little medicine pack that they can give everyone and then it's like, okay, here you go. You all get you're done. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, okay, thank you. Next um, on to the next. It's really not that. There's a whole process that happens. There's a, there's a lot of mental changes that are happening. There's behavior changes that are happening. There's physical changes that are happening. And in the midst of all of that, you also have to live a, a quote unquote normal life, which is to have a job like, just to have a job, go to school and integrate with society just like you would, that we want to. And I feel like people, mm. us as queer people, even us as trans people, we literally just want to be seen as normal people because we are normal people who just want to be accepted for who we are. People sometimes just misgender people by accident. So in that moment, if you mess up that first time and you're corrected that first time, then that's your acknowledgement of understanding that what you thought you said was incorrect. And so then that's your moment to to adjust and to change adjust. how you're how you respect them and treat them. I, if they don't know, they don't know. But once they know, then they have to do better. I'm, I'm just going to continue to just be hopeful that if we continue to educate each other and continue to show love and kindness to each other, that um, we're going to come into a point in our lives to where we're going to see the progress of everyone in our community, especially the trans community, especially the demographics of people of color and making sure that we're all are thriving. I'm going to keep that hope too. And, you know, I, I know it, it's going to take work on the part of people like who look like me, look like Aaron. I mean, it's going to take work on everybody's part, but... I, I have hope, the same hope that you do as well, and I want that, you know, this is the future liberals want, and, and it's the future that we all deserve. I, I agree. Um, I agree completely. Okay, so one thing that I noticed, too, about our community, too, when you ask people to use specific pronouns of, like, say, female, then it does something to them to where now they feel all weirded out. You'd be like, call me girl. Then you'd be like, no, I don't want to call you girl. I want to call you boy. You're like, girl, you know what? <laughs> girl, fuck in my, you. <laughs> I think in my brain that almost is, like, that people hate being corrected and, like, we're so set in our ways. And then when someone's like, hey, actually, you're wrong, the immediate reaction is to go on this defensive and it's not to be like oh i didn't realize that i was wrong it's no why do you think that i'm wrong that's what it sounds like to me like you ask someone to say oh can you just switch the pronouns and of course it's not meant to be a big deal but then someone's like well why would you ask me and people then view it as like something on them and it's not it's i don't even know the way other people see me is not how i see myself so there's no reason for me to go into this back and forth dialogue to try to tell them like don't you see all this woman don't you see that i'm a girl don't you like i'm just not like life is not about don't that you see all this woman yeah like i, I don't that. like I, I just like my life is so much more complex and it's so much more meaningful than the gender that everyone that that people identify me as and that's that on that. I love it. I love that. I think that's a beautiful note to end on. This conversation has been amazing. It's been it's been unbelievably eye-opening and has allowed me, even just in this past hour, hour and a half, to to really view gender and sex and all of it on so much more and understand it as being on so much more of a spectrum and that idea that we talked about for a while of everything being an evolution just makes it makes things make so much more sense faith where can everybody find you do you, if you want to be found she loves the spotlight
Oh, of course I do. We're all born with faith. We all have faith. For as faith with a face, then you can find me on Rise of, <laughs> uh, Rise of Faith on Instagram. Rise of Faith on Instagram. Anyone who's out there listening, that they understand that they are loved, that they're special, that they are unique, and that their queerness is needed and desired and wanted. And just understand that my views are not your views, my experience is not your experience, and that for those that are younger out there uh, that may wanna come out to their family and they don't have someone, an outlet to do that with, um, they can always reach out to me um, and they can always try to find like a really good best friend whom that can help be supportive um, of them along their journey. I think we need to take that last 30 seconds and make that the end of every episode. Like that was so perfectly, that boils down everything that I hope that this podcast ever puts out into the world, 100%. Like that is everything that I want to accomplish with this. And you said it all in 30 seconds, so that was amazing. Aaron, Matt, where, where can, can everybody, everybody find, find you? you? Jinx. Oh man! <laughs> Matt, you can go first. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Maddie Roar. What about you? And Roll? you can find me everywhere. Aaron Idelson, A A R O N I D E L S O N. And you can find this podcast on Instagram at Queering the Air Pod. Hello. Oh, I keep forgetting to plug that. I'm the worst. Come on, you're our marketing team, and you forget it. The conversation with Faith left us super inspired, so we reached out to her to see if there were any organizations near and dear to her heart, and she suggested um, everybody check out Glitz. Glitz is gays and lesbians living in a transgender society. They are a grassroots organization dedicated to supporting the LGBTQIA plus community on a global scale. You can check them out. Their website is glitzinc, G-L-I-T-S-I-N-C dot org, or their Instagram is glitz underscore ink beautiful so if you have some extra dollars toss them their way um give them a follow and stay in, involved <laughs> okay bye <laughs> <laughs> yep okay so that's it for the episode peace and blessings <laughs> yeah, bye